Hi, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast of this week's Saturday Sports Talk program with Lauren Tate and myself. And a special thanks to the folks at Kirby Wealth Management Group for their sponsorship of the podcast. We hope you enjoy Saturday Sports Talk. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies focus on your income. At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we focus on your outcome. That's why we know what it takes to succeed both on your balance sheet and in your life. It takes the right financial partner who looks at where you are now, where you want to go, and designs a financial plan to take you there. We're here to help you achieve the life that you're after, today and every day after. Focus on your financial outcome with Kirby Wealth Management Group. To get started, visit our website at justin-kirby.com. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate, and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, coming to you live this morning from the Kiwanis Club's annual pancake and sausage breakfast at Bromley Hall on campus on 3rd Street on uh, the University of Illinois campus. That goes on until 11 o'clock. It got started earlier this morning. And $7 will get you uh, all the breakfast you want to eat, Mr. Tate. That's right. And by the way, Mary Henson said her best from New Mexico, where she's down for a fundraiser down there. And, you know, Lou used to be at the center of this one all uh, year after year after year after year. And Mary joined us uh, several times herself. And Mm -hmm. uh, uh, one of these days we'll get her back on the show as well. But uh, come by Bromley Hall if you'd like. visit with us a little bit. We've got some guests lined up for you uh, here at Bromley Hall. We've got plenty of uh, things to talk about on this edition. We're going to be off a little bit early because of Illinois baseball. The Illini getting set to start right now out in Happy Valley, the uh, last game of that series, and then the Big Ten tournament starts next week. Yep, yep. And uh, who knows, they might be playing at 9 o'clock next mo- Saturday. <laughs> and they might be playing I guess at, that's a possibility. at a half a dozen other times, yeah, that's too. Right. But, uh, that's right. In this uh, business of uh, programming radio shows, you got to look at all the possibilities and figure out how you're going to handle whatever comes up. And a lot of times you don't have a lot of time to decide that. Yeah, a good win for the baseball team last night at uh, at Penn State. Went 10 innings. It was 3-3 going into the 10th. And who but Cam McDonald did not have a hit or a, had not reached base in that game going into the 10th inning. He had a double to drive in two runs. Illinois won in 10, and that's 61 consecutive games that he has reached base. Steve, that's an incredible, incredible record. That is all of this year's games and some last year towards the end of last season. So. It reminded me when, um, you know, well, he had, in other words, he, through the nine innings, he had, if, yeah. if, if uh, Penn State had scored in the, in the last of the ninth, he wouldn't have got a bat again. And so that, that worked out pretty good for him. Illinois won it seven to three. They're getting set to play, as we mentioned. Now they're thirty and twenty now on the season, sixteen and seven in the Big Ten. I didn't look this morning, but they're somewhere in line for maybe a two, three, or four seed in in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. Maryland clinched at least the tie for the title, so yep. I haven't looked at the tie. Well, Rutgers is just 
fractionally ahead of Illinois, and then of course I was right there, right. close. So it all comes down to the final. Uh, but it really doesn't matter whether they're two, three, or four. They're in the tournament, and that's all that matters. And the only way they can get in the NCAA tournament, we think, is to win the the uh, tournament in Omaha, and that's a, that's a tough call. But they're getting better pitching, and uh, at least in the last couple of to- uh, times out. The Illinois softball team is in the NCAA tournament down in Columbia, Missouri. They'll play today at 4 o'clock, and uh, as long as they keep playing, they're, whatever game they play, they're in an elimination game because they Everyone's lost. Everyone's in elimination. Yeah, they've yeah. lost four games in a row now, Steve, and that's uh, too bad. After a really good season, they lost those last two games to to Penn State at home, and then they went on the you know, into the tournament and lost uh, in the Big Ten tournament in one game, and now here they've lost the first game in the NCAA. They lost 8-3 to three to uh, Arizona. They hit five home runs against the Fighting Illini. They're scheduled to play at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Should they win that game, they would play again today at 6.30. That's the NCAA softball regional down in Columbia, Missouri. Major League Baseball, the Cardinals uh, beat the Pirates 5-3. to three. Major League debut last night for Nolan Gorman at second base. First inning, he had a couple of balls hit to him. He started a double play and then uh, got the third out on a ground ball and then uh, got a hit in his first at bat. Yeah, good hit to right field, good single. And of course, he hit 15 home runs at Memphis. So they've made those moves now with Yapez. And, and uh, I just wonder how, how that's going to work out when everybody's healthy and when O'Neill comes back. And it doesn't sound like that the DeYoung will be the shortstop anymore. He. He's been sent down, and and he's had two rough years hitting. So they had a really good defensive team when they started. They just didn't hit enough, and right. now they've had to make some changes. And, of course, O'Neill's hurt. So I'm not sure where the Cardinals are. We're going to talk some more baseball coming up uh, at the bottom of the hour. Joe Thompson, who is a longtime Cardinal fan, and Tom Kasich, a longtime Cubs fan, will join us here at Bromley Hall to talk some baseball and See what uh, they think of the start of the season. The Cubs uh, lost to Arizona 10-6. to By the way, back to the Cardinals. Uh, Matthew Libertor will start the game today for the Cardinals, a left-hander, 22 years old, childhood buddy of uh, Gorman. Interesting that they, those two guys came up to the majors at the very same day, very yeah, same time. Libertor moving into the, They've been thinking about moving him up, and this is uh, he was 3-3 three and three at, at Memphis, and He's uh, he's their prospect. I've just been reading whether they th- whether his fastball is good enough to be a really top ace for the staff, uh, but they're hopeful of that. But isn't it interesting you go with Wainwright one day and Libertor the next? Yes. <laughs> and that's quite a change. And, and I just keep – that's 19 consecutive starts against Pittsburgh by – Wainwright without a loss. Yeah, he's twenty-three and seven career against the Pirates. <laughs> Five and three on the season overall for Wainwright. Arizona beat the Cubs ten to six. It was a line night up there. Kent Brown uh, made the trip up to uh, the ball game. He's coming off a knee replacement surgery, so he he got out. I I told him I said if you if you still have to take that cane with you, just use it to knock people away from you. Make sure nobody bumps into you. I saw Kent last night at the auction over at the I Hotel, the Rotary auction, and he set the cane aside. Did he? Yeah, he was he was milling around, not moving real fast, but but he's really made three weeks, and he's making really yeah. good recovery from well, a replacement he, knee. He was among friends there. You're, when you're in a crowd, when you you're bouncing off of people, and people are bouncing, it's, it's tough. I when I had shoulder surgery, you know, I had it tied down real tight, but. You're always playing defense, or you yeah. don't you don't want to get bumped. <laughs> uh, the White Sox and Yankees were rained out. Uh, 
in anticipation. I don't know if it ever rained, but they called the game three and a half hours before start time in New York because they thought it was going to. And they'll play a doubleheader in uh, New York coming up tomorrow. The PGA Championship out at Southern Hills in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, Will Zalatoris, young guy, is your leader. Nine under par. Mido Perrierie, who I've never heard of, is he's from he's from Chile. Chile, and uh, he's a shot back. Justin Thomas is six under par. Bubba Watson minus five. Roy McElroy, first round leader, is four under par. Former Illini Thomas Peters made the cut. He's tied for 41st at plus two, and Tiger Woods made the cut as well. The cut was plus four. Tiger finished at uh, plus three. Really struggling. He was hobbling around there, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he sure was. It's, it's, it's kind of painful to watch him try to, as, as he proceeds through the 18 holes, he just starts to wear down, you can see. but And yet he played better at the end. I get it. It's always a story when Tiger plays. <laughs> what I don't really appreciate is... The analysis well, of every single movie. Oh, look, it looks like his knee's hurting. Or, oh, look, did you see that? Uh, uh, Rocky, he, he came up on that one. and uh, he's Maybe it's his ankle. You know. Well, the guy in second place, who was actually in first place at one time, yeah. how many holes did he play before he ever made TV? Right. I mean, really, if you're a while, I don't know how many holes. I mean, and he never would have made TV had he, <laughs> if had he, he not got to the top of <laughs> right. the leaderboard. That's right. So that's the uh, PGA Championship. Um, closer to home down at Savoy National, the uh, annual two-man better ball, which is uh, the last few years has been the biggest turnout for golf tournaments at Savoy. 92, 92 huh? teams in that. They got started this morning that had the weather delay with lightning and thunder. And I'm told they're playing again now. And they'll try to get as many holes in. It's a two-day event with uh, different formats on each nine holes. So they'll try to get a, as many holes in today, flight it, and then try to finish it up tomorrow. That's down on the orange course at Savoy. NBA playoffs, Golden State over Dallas, 126-117 to last night. You watching any of that? That was a little late for me to well, stay up. Well, I, I was involved last night with that rotary yeah. thing, so I didn't get, a, I didn't see much of anything. I just watched the uh, the interesting auctions that were going on, whether it was a trip to Tuscany or a, a basketball game at Illinois or in the suites to watch football, and they were selling all those things and auctioning all those things and picked up a lot, a lot of money. There was a, I think the uh, the ten tickets for the. Super Bowl, I think, went for roughly forty-five thousand. I might be ten thousand. I might be one thousand off there because I, uh, the auctioneer was. I know. I heard him say forty-six. I don't know if, I, if, if it went to forty-six or stopped at forty-five. He was trying to get forty-six, but, maybe. Yeah. So did you have? Uh, well, I, I quit. To be, I quit bidding at forty. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, were you reaching for your wallet, or did the alligator arms come out? <laughs> <laughs> alligator arms were definitely out when they start talking that kind of money. Alligator arms were in your pocket <laughs> is where they were. Uh, NCAA tennis, uh, they're fighting weather uh, yeah. through that. Uh, Having to go indoors. You can't play on a wet surface, and, you know, those tennis balls aren't the same as golf balls. So they'll have that issue again today as they try to get caught up. High school track and field championships down at uh, Charleston are going on, and uh Pretty good coverage, great coverage, actually, in the News Gazette of uh, that event and the tennis event, too. Uh, but when it runs late, you have trouble getting the, you know, the late news in, whether it be a ball game score or a tennis match score. So 
there's a lot going on around. By the way, we don't want to overlook the basketball move here. Uh, Jackson Davis is coming back to Indiana. That makes most of the teams, Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, Ohio State, Purdue, all lost their key players, every one of those. If you would look at, at, at the loss, and, and Michigan State, when you look at the Big Ten next year, there's going to be an entirely new league, and it shouldn't be near as good because you just can't find players like Kofi and, and E.J. Liddell and some of those people that are lost. Uh, by the way, uh, Williams of Purdue is having a tremendous camp right now. But um, in any case, uh, Jackson Davis back, and Indiana thinks they're going to be pretty good, and I think they will be better. They're overdue to be better. You know, Kofi's played two games in the yeah. combat, and guess Double what? Doubles. Double-double yeah. in both those games. He's a walking double-double. Yeah. He sure is. I don't know how long he can keep that up at, at that level, but he's he's. Well, uh, I think he was, he's got him taking a new look at it. He, he only missed one shot in the game yesterday uh, from the field. So, uh, yeah, they are taking a look at him. And, you know, he's got a, he's got a great personality, and who knows, uh, you may find a, a niche, a, a team that really likes what, what he's bringing and what he might be able to do and – his kind of, kind of like Io and the Bulls. It just worked out. His chances of being drafted probably were like 10 or 15 percent uh, uh, two months ago. And I'd say they're moving up at least maybe 40, 50 percent right now. I mean, I mean he's, got a ch- he's got a chance to be among the 58 players drafted. A chance. I don't know if he's quite made the, that level, but he's certainly got, uh, got him looking at him. We are at uh, Bromley Hall at the Kiwanis Club's annual pancake and sausage breakfast. Take our first time out here in a moment, but, but some sad news to pass along. Uh, a friend of ours at the radio station and a friend of many of uh, the folks around central Illinois lost a, a good friend, Gary O'Brien, who uh, was one of the uh, directors at the Assembly Hall over the years, entertainment uh, director, and also did an afternoon show at WDWS for a while before getting back into the venue business and moving to Columbus, where he uh, was one of the co-directors of the Schottenstein Center over in Columbus at Ohio State, passed away suddenly on Thursday. So our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, Gary O'Brien's family, and we were certainly very sorry to hear that. Uh, certainly way too young for Gary O'Brien dying of uh, an apparent heart attack is, is what we heard on that. So it's 9-14, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take our first break. We'll talk some baseball at Bromley Hall. When we come back, stay with us. Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online PellaofChampagne.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It is 9-17. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and Ed Bond. I'm Steve Kelly. We're at Bromley Hall on uh, the campus of the University of Illinois, the Kiwanis Club's annual pancake breakfast. Come out and join us till 11 o'clock for the pancakes. Our show gets uh, wrapped up a little bit early today because of Illinois baseball. We're with you here on the air until 10.30, and we welcome... Ron Gunther on the telephone with us. Ron, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? We're doing well. We just wanted to catch up with you in uh, these changing times in uh, college athletics and talk a little bit about uh, what has become with the transfer portal and 
NIL? Are you are you at all happy that you're not an active AD right now? <laughs> I think I got out at the right time. Uh, <laughs> most of the guys I'm talking to are wishing they were all kids. So it's uh, I don't think anybody saw it coming down the track. Uh, if you're paying attention, I think we had discussions, but I didn't think we'd go this far, quite honestly. Very challenging. Well, Ron, first of all, the, let's go to, to the transfer rule because this seems to have coaches just going, uh, you know, they, they actually dropped the uh, the 25 rule in football now. You know, for, you can only have 25 per year. For the next couple of years, you can take as many as you want uh, within right. the 85. What What is your – is there any guideline – is there any borders you can put on uh, the transfers that would calm it down some? Do you have any suggestions? Um, well, you know, I think uh, I've got some suggestions. I don't know who's listening. But, um, you know, I think each of these conferences, um, I know our guys um, are really struggling with it. And many, many, many years ago, the different conferences came up with their own set of rules that may be more stringent than the NCAA rules. Until the NCAA hears from its membership, and I think they're, they're getting uh, earful right now, um, I don't see any. Uh, I don't really see any borders being put up at the moment. I mean, everybody is struggling um, to try to hold their roster. Um, it's such it's such a difficult time, Lawrence. But I don't I don't see anything happening in the near future. Um, well, I, I hear talk, uh, Ron, that maybe they would. Uh the, the idea of, of making freshmen uh, ineligible. To tra- I mean, they wouldn't be eligible if they transferred after their freshman year. Or, or possibly uh, some rule that if you transferred once the second time you transfer, you'd have to sit out a year. I mean, those are things that are being discussed. Uh, but yeah. Would those pass? Would that? Would those pass judicial review? I guess I'm asking. Yeah, you know, I think that's the question. You know, we've had we had a um, we had a climate where it was under control, and then you can think back how all of this got started. Um, and, and everything is being challenged. And once it gets challenged and it's pushed beyond the NCAA, and once it gets into a court system, somebody says, hey, uh, this, this, this isn't right, we can't do this, then the NCAA and the rules, we backed up. So I've heard, I've heard the same thing you're hearing. Um, there's a lot of good suggestions as to how to do this, but whether or not it will hold, that is going to be the, that's going to be the question. Because we, had, we actually had control at one point. And uh, slowly, you know, the transfer rule was challenged. The uh, redshirt rule was challenged. And uh, it's, uh, as I said, it's, it's really, really difficult on our coaching staff. Talking to Ron Gunther, let's talk a little bit about uh, NIL. And I, th- I think most people agree that uh, uh, they don't have any problem with college athletes, uh, men and women, being compensated in some way. But now it's... It's so out of control. How do you handle it? And uh, you've got the the coaches uh, firing back at each other, like Saban and uh, Jumbo Fisher this week, and uh, trying to outbid each other. Uh, it's a good thing, but it needs to be controlled somehow. Do you have an idea how that might happen? No. Again, as I said, it went into the marketplace. Uh, I think what's what's a farce is they said you know the institutions. Um, and I know Illinois put a person in place. They're all, all putting people in place to uh, work with the athlete and not to put the deal together, if you want to call it that. But at the same time, how this is policed, and that's really the question. 
how how is it that Jackson State comes up with a million dollars, let's say, for a youngster? Uh, how does how does it get policed? I mean, we have uh, a number of people that would love to see and help uh, the University of Illinois throughout the state, throughout the country. And you know, it, it, you, on one hand, you're you're raising money to pay the scholarships, uh, run your budget, all of those other things. And we're not we're not in a position, or shouldn't be in a position by rule, to connect donor A or inst- uh, 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 let's call it a, a corporation A with with uh, with an athlete. And yet we all know it's being done. So um, how I think the the key is how is it, if this thing is wide open, which it is right now, um, you know the fact that this thing happened with Saban and Fisher, that's just I think it's just the this the surface of what's really going on here. Um, they may have got into it and publicly it, it became public. But I know every one of our coaches is fighting to keep their roster. And um, there's, I won't call it poaching, but you can imagine uh, with a youngster coming to an institution, um, very little been written about education. And they're looking for instant satisfaction. So all of a sudden, let's say they aren't going to play this year. Well, I'm going to go back into that portal and see what the NIL thing is going to, what's going to be in it for me. And so that's what's going on. By the way, you were um, involved this weekend, I believe, in uh, a ceremony at the University of Illinois in which uh, Jim Delaney returned, former Big Ten commissioner. And um, tell us about that. Um, exactly why was he uh, honored? Uh, I've, got, I've got a story here about it, but I'll, I'll let you uh, comment. Well, I, I know that, <clears throat> yeah, and I don't know if it was Josh. So it has to come from, it's a faculty appointment, it's an honorary degree. And uh, I know many of us wrote a letter in support of what Jim did for this conference during his tenure uh, as commissioner. And I thought it was a, I thought it was a terrific, uh, terrific honor for him. And I know he was really pleased to be recognized. But um, if you look back at all the things that we went through, whether it be the television, whether it be the expansion, uh, whether uh, we, we led the country almost in, in the academic reform areas. Um, yeah, just, uh, we merged and our faculty get more involved. I just think, you know, he was, uh, he was a terrific leader. Um, and, and we had quite a discussion while he was here about he's still in the consulting business and uh, we need him involved in these two matters that we're talking about this morning. I'll say. I, in fact, I'd almost take his uh, opinion above everybody else's after everything that he's accomplished. But um, this just, uh, as far as uh, the future is concerned, Ron, um, at some point, you've got to get inducement out of this um, NIL. Okay. I mean, that, I think that's the most important thing right now because everybody is buying players i mean let's face it Correct. we know we know what's happening i suppose it, it, it's okay once the student is enrolled then it's i maybe you know it's, it's appropriate that he'd be able to make money but to actually uh, offer a kid money to come that's pay for play isn't it that certainly is and i think you used the the right word and i think even if even if we said that a youngster couldn't do this till they're a sophomore or junior, whatever, whatever the rule might say. Uh, I would say, I'd say, quite honestly, the coaches are very creative. I mean, they can actually sit down and say, "Hey, you know, we can't do it now. You can do it then." But we, the train has has left the uh, the station. I'm afraid, 
And so uh, we're as close to professionalizing as we've been as a, in my lifetime and your lifetime. I think we go way, way back. Uh, the parameters in the very beginning were not, were not there. So we're, we're, we're in a position of buying players, if you want to call it that. Um, there's some interesting concepts out there. And I just don't know how you hold your roster together when one youngster may be making, let's just say, $25,000 for a poster and another guy is making $150,000 for a commercial. So you're going to have, uh, I think you're going to have some internal roster issues. Um, and I just, you know, quite honestly, Lauren, it's as close to professional as we can get. Kids are mm-hmm. marketing themselves, basically. So um, I think when I've talked to our coaches and talked to coaches in our league, and we're fortunate to have a pretty darn good group of guys. And, you know, the only thing I can tell you is character wins. So you still want to get the very best athlete that you can. There's no question. But in, in the long run, if, if, if that youngster is interested in you as a, as a, a, and your university and wants that degree and has the character and is an understanding of, of, of how important it is to get the degree, because every one of these kids, myself included, go all the way back to the 60s, had a dream of being in the NFL or the NBA. And guess what? It's, it's one half of 1% that's going to get a pension. So at the end of the yep. day, what I see happening here is, you know, and, and, and Delaney and I talked about this a great deal. I said, maybe this thing has to get really bad before it gets better. Because one, one of the things that I think will surface, you're going to have the, the young man that hops from school to school to school. And they have three schools in six years, let's say. No degree at the end, no NFL, no NBA, and where is he? You know, they got some instant cash. And a lot of that cash in some of these families, that, that young man's sending it back to mom, brothers, and sisters. So at the, I would hope at the end of this, we all wake up and say, you know, this whole thing, it was such a privilege for me personally to be the first kid in our family to go to college, to get the degree. I think you're going to have to have the coach really looking at the character of the kind of kids they're actually recruiting. Because I think that's the only way you're going to stabilize this roster until the rules get straightened out. One more question for Ron Gunther. Uh, it involves conversations about realignment in the Big Ten. That those seem to go on. Whether or not anything's going to happen with that. Uh, any <laughs> thoughts on, on that? And the the rumors, and maybe not rumors is the right word, but at least people wanted to keep that conversation alive. Yeah, they'll keep it going, but, you know, as I've said many, many times, when you have a pie and you cut it 14 ways, the pieces are pretty good. When you start cutting it 16 ways and the income is the same, everybody's pie gets a little bit less, right? So, right. I mean, I, I've, always felt, I've always felt that uh, if an institution, which we, we really did a nice job um, geographically, academically, and understanding the value and the package, of, of, of why we expanded, where we expanded, and it's worked out great for this particular conference. Now, I've watched what's going on in the SEC. I'm watching the ACC. I've talked about Bowlesby. He just stepped down. He's, I think, real, real excited to be gone. But if you look at the Big 12, the Pac-12, um, you know, just to expand, to be expanding is not what we want to do. I mean, if it makes some sense 
um, from, from a financial standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, then it should be considered. Um, while we're on this, that very subject, however, if this thing does not get straightened out, I think you might have a separation. You might have certain institutions within a conference that may want to go a different direction than to continue to compete for that NIL money, right? So um, you, you know, I think there's a number of discussions that might be taking place across the country uh, from director to director, institution to institution. But uh, I don't see anything happening short term. Hey, Ron, good to catch up with you. Always a pleasure to chat with you, and uh, we'll do it again one of these days soon. Very good. Hey, hit him. Thanks, straight. Ron. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye-bye. That's Ron Gunther at uh, 930 WDWS, 93.9 FM, Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a timeout, and then we'll talk some baseball with a couple of uh, local baseball fans, and we'll take your phone calls as well if you'd like to join us. Back with more of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk at Bromley Hall in Champaign after this. 9.33, welcome back to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 10.30 this morning because of Illinois baseball. That game is underway. We'll try to get a score update for you here somewhere along the way. Out at Happy Valley against Penn State. Last regular season game before the Big Ten tournament starts. We're at Bromley Hall at the Kiwanis Club's annual sausage and pancake breakfast. That goes on until 11. Also going on right now, online, Game Day Spirit Fan Store's live uh, online sale, summer sale, is up and running this morning. Check out uh, their full line of uh, merchandise, line eye gear, discounts, on uh, stadium sale-like prices at uh, Illini uh, Gear today for uh, Game Day Spirit all weekend long. This sale available only this weekend, so be sure to shop early for the best selection and styles. And they're always uh, got great things out there like uh, Illini basketball jerseys, special pricing on that, flying Illini long-sleeve T-shirt down uh, almost in half price if you go online today finding Illini retro jerseys for $44.99 all kinds of great deals sweatshirts for $21.99 marked down from $40 check it out gamedayspirit.com all weekend long and uh, that's the weekend online sale for our friends at Game Day Spirit. We're going to talk some baseball now. Tom Kasich is here. Joe Thompson is here. We're going to talk Cubs and Cardinals and Tom, yeah, you're the visiting team at this uh, location because you're sitting. Uh, you're outnumbered. <laughs> three to one, Cardinal fans. I'm not sure about Ed. He'll go either way, depending. <laughs> on, so you might. I think I think Ed's a Chicago, and he's a Cub fan. Uh, whoever wins, he likes. Ed likes. He's, he's one of those guys. How you doing this morning, Tom? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just uh, wish I was as fine as the Cardinals. Well, something to strive for, right? <laughs> yes, maybe in five or six more years. Well, talk about the Cubs and what you think of them. A relatively young team and rebuilding. Yeah, and, and, and the loss of Rizzo and Baez and, and Brian. I mean, that was a big move, wasn't it? It was an awful move. You know, it was like the guys that had brought you the World Series in 2016, and now it's they're all gone, and you're starting all over with a bunch of no names. It's uh, it was it was a terrible year, and be terrible too and probably next year as well so another rebuild is that part of it is, is that part of being a cub fan or i hate to see 
teams go through that. I really do because it takes time to come back, doesn't it? All I can think about is what would it be like to be a Pittsburgh Pirate fan where you are Ooh. perennially rebuilding and trading away your best players and like how do you how do you how do you continue to be a Pirates fan? I don't know. But uh, well, you know, if you're a pirate, the, the Pirates can win without getting a hit. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Thompson with us as well, longtime uh, Urbana resident and uh, Cardinal fan. You played in the better ball this weekend, hopefully. You know, it looks like we're going to get it in. We are probably maybe an hour, an hour and a half behind uh, due to the weather this morning. But uh, after I get done with the show, my partner, Pat Keene, uh, and I are supposed to tee it up at 12.03, which will probably be 1.30. But <clears throat> if for some reason, you know, if Pat wasn't going to be able to make it, you know my partner was going to be, don't you? I'm looking at him across the right? table. And you know what? That would have been, been quite a show. <laughs> There's a lot of disappointed people. They were aware of this story. That well, in a better ball gonna... scenario, you can put him up there on the Absolutely. forward tees. You know what? <laughs> I played with him the other day, and he was pretty tough. Oh, yeah. I'll he see. calls it the ladies' tees. I keep trying to tell him those are the forward tees these I days. I need to be way forward. <laughs> well, listen, I want to hear about the Cardinals. This, this, uh, are the, Card the Cardinals are making change right in the middle of early in this season the lineup doesn't even look the same the squad doesn't look the same i almost think of the cardinals as the cardinals memphis cardinals i mean they're both cardinals but that's how they've played it for several years the cardinals have a model of everybody is promoted with from within i mean they went out did go out and get a couple of free agents even on managers? the corners <laughs> even managers and hitting coaches and uh you, there's a script that they follow and you saw what happened to Mike Schilt when he got off the uh, script, and you know he's no longer there. And so they needed, and then they needed a, to promote, and they did, and they went from within, and they even went out and got Skip Schumacher to be the uh, bench coach. So the Cardinals, uh, like I say, they are they make a few changes every year, but they promote from within. You know, you have uh, ownership as they're both uh, Princeton MBAs. And they have a model that they follow, and they just do not deviate from it. And they have been successful, and they haven't had a losing season, you know, since uh, Mazeliak took over. And during that period, they have the third-best record in all of baseball, and the two teams that are ahead of them both spent over a billion dollars more than the Cardinals in order to have more wins, that being the Dodgers and the Yankees. So you have to say it works, and... I don't know that they're going to be elite, but they're very competitive. Well, the one thing I would ask you about is they started the season with an absolute set lineup. I mean, all eight positions were pretty much established. Isn't it interesting how it's changed now already? Well, that is true, uh, more so than most years. But you notice that what the Cardinals have always done, and I know Steve has been pining for Gorman to come up, you know, since day one, and now he's finally I you, here. I think you're confusing me with Lauren, but <laughs> Lauren was pining. I was just kind of hoping he would. But they, they bring those AAA players up for a period of time, and then they send them back down. Now, they've got a couple of guys that probably aren't going back down now because they've, had, they've been so inept in a couple of positions, but – that's also the way baseball is right now. I was looking through the numbers the other night, and from an analytics standpoint, the best team in the National League hitting is the Dodgers, and the second best team is the Cardinals. 
But they get them in bunches. The Cardinals, one day they get shut out, and the next day they score 10. I mean, it's kind of weird. Yeah, that's, that's a hard thing to control. And, again, we're early here. Uh, Tony La Russa used to say that you don't have any idea what you have for 30 games. Yeah. And we're just over 30 games. And, you know, there's several teams we haven't played. And a lot of teams, you saw what's already happened to the Mets. They've lost the top of their lineup from pitching. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a marathon now. It's hard to get your, your pitchers through a year. And, you know, the Cardinals, if you had looked back a couple of years ago, what you would have said was Flaherty's going to be your ace and Reyes is going to be your number two. And then, mm-hmm. you know, from then you really – Wainwright would be retired. And Wainwright yeah. would have been – you know, he'd be back with his kids in Atlanta. But uh, <laughs> it can flip just that quickly. But, again, the Cardinals, I don't know what they have. If When Flaherty comes back, are they going to be better? Well, I hope if so. he's better. Yeah. Right. And I and don't know if Reyes is coming up? back at all this year. And will Libertor stay up? Michaelis is a lot better than what we thought. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the other thing that's really interesting to me is the bullpens that everybody just throws together, you know, and nobody pays anybody anything relative to the rest of their salary. I mean, half the Cardinals are either at the minimum or they make less than a million dollars. And... 40% of the pitches are being thrown by relievers. So, anyway. We're talking baseball. We do have the phone lines open, 217-356-9397. Let's go to Eric in Champaign. What's on your mind, Eric? Hey, guys. Uh, talking Cardinals. I was hey, wondering how long it's going to take until the, the best pitcher in a, on the team gets to be put to the closer position. Um, Ryan Helsley is throwing unbelievable stuff, and, and you're putting out a guy – and Gallegos behind him. That isn't half as good. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I said the same thing to Lauren yesterday, and then what did Gallegos do last night? He struck out five guys in a row to, to end the game. But I agree with, with Harry. What do you think, Joe? I think he's right, except that Gallegos can come back the next day easier. Right. And, and so I than Helsley, so I think that's why they're doing it. I also look for eventually Hicks to head back to the bullpen, and then you're going to be finished with Hicks, Cabrera, Helsley, and Gallegos in some order, and that's pretty formidable. Right. Okay. Yeah, I was just thinking, I was, his, his stuff is so good that I, I, I can't imagine not using this closer. That was my only thing. Yeah, well, he's he's been sensational. He's only given up two hits this season so far, I think. Yep. It's unbelievable, But and, and I was just – Desperate to see him left in the game the other night when he pitched through 10 pitches in the eighth inning and bring him in the ninth and let him finish. My goodness, but uh, they didn't. And, and, and well, Alonzo hit a home run uh, with a man. But right. they got a system, like you say, Joe. And, you know, I, I think uh, Joe brings up, Tom, uh, something about the Cardinals that I don't see with the is is that system. I don't see that organization. That culture that the Cardinals have had for 40 years or yeah. whatever. Who's the guy that they – like the the – father of the cardinal culture the he was a coach or the cardinal way yeah who uh his name's escaping me right now yeah Yeah, all the guys credit him right what well anyway the cubs they have yeah they have no continuity the ownership changes the general manager changes the manager changes uh george yes come on george oh (laughs) come on Go ahead, Tom. Sorry, yeah, I'll get I'll get the other half. Yeah. Anyway, there's nothing like that with the Cubs. They just you know, year to year things change, and um, you know you, you we just got to get lucky, I guess. But well, which way do you see them headed? Not well, not just this season, but I mean, yeah, is there a future? Uh, you know, here? Uh, there is a future, and I, you know they say they have a better farm system. 
I'm looking at another, you know, uh, Hoyer said this week, uh, the, the new GM said, you know, he's you can't analyze these trades that they made last year. This year you got to wait till 2027. So I'm thinking 2027. Okay, <laughs> there, there we go for another five years until we can we're good competitive. But I mean that's the way it happened. And, you know they got Rizzo in 2011, and five years later they were in the championship. So maybe that's what it's going to take again. But I don't know if the farm system is as good as it was in 2011 or 2012. Need to take a break. I want to talk to you guys about analytics we you touched on a little bit joe we'll do that after the break on the line Bella saturday sports talk we're at bromley hall stay with us we're back with more after this my name is denise martin i'm a diehard Illini fan and admittedly love the cubs when it comes to financial planning most financial companies ask what's your salary at kirby wealth management group we ask what's your story we know building the right financial plan means looking at more than money that's why we start by asking the right questions, listening to what matters most to you, then guiding you every step of the way to help you live the life you want now and years from now. Call us today at 217-355-9390. It is 947, the Line Saturday Sports Talk, Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate, Joe Thompson, Tom Kasich. We're talking to baseball. George Kissel is who I was trying to come yep. up with there. Kind of the father of the Cardinal way, going way back uh, throughout the, the minor ne- leagues. Never the manager. Right. Ne- never the uh, GM. He was just one of those behind-the-scenes guys. Yeah. Hitting coach uh, in the mm-hmm. minors. And, yeah. Uh, influenced a lot of those guys on the way up. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to the phones. Uh, Marty is with us. thought he might want to talk some Cardinal baseball. Go ahead, Marty. Well, I called to well, tell, I called you, to George tell you George Kiss was escaping. Um, and I'm with and Lauren I'm with the other Lauren night. I was, I was extremely frustrated, frustrated that uh, Helsley uh, didn't stay in just to pitch to Alonzo because uh, he, A, he'd never given up a hit to a right-handed batter in, in the season during that time, and, B, if you're going to throw to Alonzo a fastball, you sure want it to be 99 to 100, not 93 to 95. But anyway, I, I'm guessing they didn't do that because he threw a lot of pitches two nights before during that doubleheader, and they're trying to be careful with him, but it hurt to watch that home run ball sail out of the ballpark. Um, here's the question uh, for Joe and, and Tom or whatever. Uh, Libertor is up to fill a spot because they had to throw two spotters, and two uh, pitchers in a doubleheader. Is he likely to be just up for a little while and then back down at Memphis? Is it going to depend on how he throws today, or is he up to stay? Uh, I can't get a feel for him for sure, and he's the guy in the system that's the next supposed to be. Um, I don't think he's a number one, but I think he's a number two, number three rotation piece. So where do you see that going? Because I think Gorman, I think Gorman's an awfully good bat. And I think he may have a better chance to stick around. Go ahead, Joe. If I was going to make a guess, I would say he would be up for one or two starts unless he was overwhelming because this is what they do with everybody in the Cardinals. They give you a taste of the major leagues, so when it's your time, it's not a shock to you. You can go back and take a look at every single one of the Cardinal players and they have been that were in the system, and they bounced around from Memphis to the parent club and back. To the limit that you're allowed, you know, the Cardinals actually run up against the limit because you're only allowed to do that X amount of times. Yeah, you're so only allowed that, five, th- times five times this year right. with pitchers. 
Right, and that's what I'm going to guess. He'll probably come up and down five times, but you also have to project forward that, I mean, we're going to have guys that are going to get hurt, just like every team's going to get hurt. It's happened to the Mets in a big way already, and with a shortened spring training uh, and poor weather in April, uh, I was looking at a stat the other night, and uh, only 5% of the pitchers have thrown 100 pitches this year, starting pitchers. Oh, yeah. And the is average 90, is 90 the limit now. <laughs> it's more like 85, uh, and you got 146 average for a game. So, I mean, nobody is throwing max innings. Uh, although Wainwright threw 98 pitches last night. Well, is it you think it's a shortened uh, preparation time? Preparation time. I think it's it's going. I mean, I think yes. Not as that's, much spring training. That's, well, that's part of it, but. Uh, when the Cardinals won in 2011, the, the average was right at 50% of starters. Last year it was 14, okay? Now it's five. You're, getting, you're using six starters, you're using, you know, people are doing bullpen games. Uh, it's headed in that direction. I don't, you know, maybe it'll tick back up when the weather gets a little bit better and, you know, as the season lengthens, but... I think this is the new baseball, and you just have to wrap your arms around it, whether you like it or not. Hey, can we give Tom, we a, give question? Tom a question? Yes, yes sir. He's ready I've for you. A, seri- a serious question, even though I was named for Marty Marion, I'm a lifetime Cardinal fan, grew up in Beeman, Illinois. Why is it that the Cubs cannot develop starting pitching out of their system? Because it's killed them for years and years. Uh, I don't, you know, they they never, when uh, Theo was in charge, they seldom drafted pitchers. They always went for, you know, everyday players, yeah, and they figured they could they could buy pitchers. And that worked a little bit, but I, I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe that's changed um, with with the new regime, but I don't see it yet. I mean, there's there's guys down in the minors that they say could be good pitchers, but. They also said Corey Patterson was going to be the next Babe Ruth. So um, I, I don't know. You know, it's it, you, got, you have to have a system, and they haven't they haven't had one. So that's all I got. Well, make it a great day, guys, and enjoy your pancakes. Thanks, Marty. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Marty. As always, Tom, are you a big uh, analytics guy? Do you or do you like me? Kind of long for the <laughs> the old days of going with your gut and uh, and playing baseball that way. Yeah, that's how I am. But it it is fun to see the analytics and just consider them. But I, I don't have time to you know go through all the numbers. Uh, but I appreciate them. Here, here's a number that I have. Uh, this is just to tell you how insanely stupid some of us Cub fans are. You you know there's a terrible we have a terrible team when in thirty. 35% of its games or something. And the Cubs are, are number eight in home attendance. They're, they're drawing 31,000 a game on the average. And this is in the bad days of spring when kids are still in school and the weather's horrible. Well, what are the Sox and the, and the White Sox, who have a much better team, although they're barely over 500, uh, are drawing 21,000. 10,000 10, people a game fewer. And, and so the Cubs fans will just go. you know. And I, maybe it's not just the fans. It's Chicagoans want to, you know, uh, close a deal or take their girlfriend to a game, and it's much more fun to go to Wrigley Field. And well, do, do you think the Cub Cardinal uh, competition? Uh, they're, they're always uh, we're, we're always kind of biting at each other. 
do you think that has hurt? I mean, kind of puts the White Sox in kind of the third position and a, and a distant position. There's no real rival for the White Sox. Who is it? Kansas City? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it used Minnesota, to be the I mean, and then they Cleveland, switched. Detroit. Yeah. I mean, there it, isn't one, really. It's the Cubs. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, but it just seems like the Cubs rule regardless, even yeah. though we know the White Sox have a far better team right now. Uh, it's, you know, there's, I, I, I'd love to see the numbers like on the Tribune website about who clicks on Cubs st- stories versus White Sox or something like that. You know, uh, the, the weird thing is, uh, like, here's my little bit of data. More White Sox license plates are have been sold by the Secretary of State than Cubs. So I, I can't explain that. <laughs> you know? but, I, but I would argue that there are certainly more Cubs fans than White Sox fans in Illinois. Joe? On the, on the uh, text line, we have a question. Uh, we'll throw this one to you, Joe. What do you think will happen to O'Neill when he returns? And what if Paul DeYoung starts hitting again at <laughs> Memphis? <clears throat> What's his future? Is he trade bait or what? They're going to have some some roster position uh, decisions to make. Well, even though Bader has gotten off to a bad start, and sometimes I think, is he going to just miss every pitch? <laughs> but he had an awfully good year last year, and he actually got votes for the MVP. I mean, he had a good year last year, so obviously he gets some more time. DeYoung is just a bad situation for the Cardinals. Um, he's an elite fielder, and he's projected to make $9 million next year. So there's no way to trade him. My opinion is what's going to happen is that he probably won't hit at Memphis, but he'll come back up anyway. He'll be the backup uh, shortstop. He'll be the late-inning shortstop. He'll Over be short- Sosa? Yes, they'll, they'll put Sosa back down in Memphis. I think they'll play him every day because he's a young player who doesn't cost anything. Mm-hmm. Contracts drive so many of these decisions. And he's also a better fielder than Sosa. And I'll just bet you any time that Wainwright's on the mound, he wants DeYoung. He doesn't care whether he gets a hit or not. He wants him there at shortstops, you know, and the ground ball pitchers. And the Cardinals have a great defensive team, you know, just a raft of uh, Golden Glovers. With that in mind, though, one of those is Tommy Edmond. And you can make a case for him being one of the top second basemen in baseball. Yet, they're having to move him around a little bit. He could play everywhere. That's nice. He could play outfield if you need him, and he has. But they've got him over there at shortstop. Is that the best spot for him? Or is, are they better suited to, to use Gorman as a DH? But then what do you do with the Yepes when uh, and if O'Neill comes back? So those are kind of the things they're looking at. Well, I think it's going to be – those are great questions. I think it's going to be a mix and match. I mean, you're just going to see Gorman being left-handed. He's, you know, he's going to be seeing right-handed at DH. And, you know, uh, Yepes is going to be in the lineup. And, again – perfect example i mean bader's already hurt there's injuries all the time so you're always reshuffling the lineup to start with so i think gorman's probably gonna stick and be the dh and he'll play some second base and they'll stick edmund over there at short but i mean it's a golden glove second baseman i mean he beat out wong last year for the gold glove i mean he's an elite fielder so i don't know and he doesn't seem to be a shortstop to me i don't know what do you think steve yeah, I I think Edmund's best position is second base, and uh, but I also see the need to get Gorman 
up there, and you know Gorman could play Neither third. That hitter, yeah. Gorman could play third, but oh, <laughs> somebody's playing third. Yeah. He could play first, but oh, <laughs> you got another uh, all-star over there. Tom, I want to ask you. We're running out of time here, but I want to ask you from a Cubs uh, fan perspective, the Cubs Cardinal rivalry over the years. How do you view it? It's not a, in my mind, I'll tell you what I think first is I think it's it's good. I think it's respectful. I don't think it's uh, like the Red Sox and the Yankees who flat out hate each other. Yeah. They're, they're, oh, I don't know about that. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm talking about the, the teams themselves. There's a lot of the fans. Uh, there's a lot of Cub fans I'd just as soon not be around. But, <laughs> but how do you view that rivalry? Yeah, I think it's a healthy rivalry. Uh, it's fun. It's you know it, we're, it's more of a rivalry here. I don't know if it is as much in Chicago or well, I guess it is. Uh, it's 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 a lot like the Blackhawks and the Blues too. It's 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 good for the game. It's it's good for the fandom. Uh, it's just a bad time to be a Cubs fan when the Cardinals are much so much better. But there's you know I I can always harken back to those. Uh, what, what, was there a playoff game like a series in 2014 or 15? 15. Yeah, when, when the Cubs. One right, yeah. So, man, that that was golden for us. That was doesn't get any Cardinals better. Cardinals won 100 games that year too. Yeah. And got beat. Yeah. So, so are you still riding on the 2016? Uh, uh, once in my lifetime, I want to see the Cubs win. Are you uh, are you satisfied? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, unfortunately, yes. Because yeah. you know, I you know, 50 years of futility before that. So you just enjoy that, and it was <laughs> it was just a great great year well guys we appreciate you coming by here and, and talking uh, baseball cubs and cardinals and little white Sox as well joe play you play well today if you get out there on the course in the two-man better ball it is 10 o'clock wdws 93.9 fm champagne urbana we'll take a break and be back with more from bromley hall on the line ipella saturday sports talk stay with us Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk. We're at the Kiwanis Club's annual pancake and sausage breakfast. It goes on until 11 o'clock. $7 gets you all the pancakes and sausage you can eat if Ed leaves any for <laughs> the rest of the folks. People have wised up to Ed. They get here early to make sure to get in line ahead of him, right? Yeah, Ed does a good job with this, and they do a great job. With the Kiwanis Club, 100 years of service. 100 years, imagine that. That is uh, something to be proud of for sure. Steve Beckett, attorney at law. Are you are you still known as an attorney at law? I, or? I am still an attorney at law. <laughs> but you're, you're a former professor, is that right? Right, I'm uh, retired from the University of Illinois College of Law. Okay, and you, uh, you like to keep track of various issues, uh, news-wise and sports-wise, and we've got a lot on the sports side, don't we, to, to yeah. chew around on? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I actually, in the last couple of years, have had um, some people that had NCAA issues, and so I've been able to help them uh, with it. The enforcement process is much, much different than it was, you know, back in the is day. Is it when non-existent now? Or no, they still have an enforcement process. Uh, I understand, uh, but uh, process, they don't seem to be uh, very busy. No. They should no, be well, busy. <laughs> no, I mean, they've got a lot, they, they actually have a lot to be busy about, but they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. They, I don't think the enforcement staff has really much guidance about uh, what to do. You know, that's one of those we, big decisions. The last time then. we were together to talk about this after Alston had been decided, we pretty much predicted that this was there was going to be chaos, and we were right. It's it is it is chaos. It literally, is it's like uh, 
that scene in uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundown's Kid when uh, where uh, Butch Cassidy says, "No, no, no, Harvey, we got to get the we we have to get the knife fight rules." And right. Harvey <laughs> says, "Knife fight? There are no rules in a knife fight. That's what this is. They're they're, they're literally that the rules are non-existent." Cam Cox is with us well as well. We've had Cam on a few times. Works with the NIL program at the U of I. How are things going? I know you're you're uh, reorganizing a little bit over there. Give us an update. Yeah, thanks thanks for having me, and I'm glad to be back. We we are trying to reorganize and thinking about what the best strategy is, and and you know how to join this knife fight. I guess to, to jump on what <laughs> Steve's saying. I mean, because I do think you know there are rules, but it, it sounds like everybody's not really following them. Um, and, and we want to follow them. We want to do everything above board. But we also don't want to be at a disadvantage, right? And so there's this way of, hey, can we create as much opportunity as possible without, you know, actually breaking the rules? Because I, I think there may come a day where the rules actually are enforced, um, and they may be enforced retroactively. And if they are, uh, we want to know that we're in the clear. Can they do that retroactively, you think? Or do you think they give everybody a fresh start? That, that's my thought. I mean, like the interim policy that came out a couple of weeks back, they said that they were going to look retroactively in terms of the into most egregious violations yeah. into inducements. Um, but there was still a level of discretion because they said it will only be kind of the most egregious things as opposed to everything. Uh, but that, that doesn't stop us as we think about, all right, let's just dot our I's, cross our T's the first time. I learned that when I was, you know, writing my early papers as a little boy. Like if you just do it right the first time, you won't have to redo it. So that's kind of our thought. Here, here's the problem. There's a big loophole in the in the NCAA, and it is that they said that you, you must follow NCAA policy regarding inducement by being consistent with state law. And so you have states that have differing laws. Illinois does not have a law that permits coaches, for example, to, it, to be, participate in NIL. Missouri just passed a law that the governor's going to sign that a lot expressly permits coaches to participate in NIL inducement. So how in the world do you have a, two states side by side with public universities and in one the coach can do something and the other the coach can't? That's why I say right now there's chaos and I agree there need to be there needs to be rules. Yeah, so it's interesting. I took a look at Missouri's law and they were very explicit. There's reads um as opposed to permissively, I'd say it almost reads actively. Like, you know, coaches can do this. Institutional staff can do this. We've been in the process of amending our state law. Actually, the governor, I believe, signed it yesterday evening, uh, finally. Oh, um, but, yeah, um, it's, well, I guess yesterday afternoon, like 4 o'clock. Um, but we've been in the process of amending our state law to, to give us that flexibility, but it, it doesn't necessarily forecast what we'll do because our thought is let's let's have institutional discretion, right? Like, under Missouri's formulation, you have a world where it's kind of, well, coaches can do this, coaches can do that. And if you're a coach that says, hey, I don't want to get involved with that, you don't really have a leg to stand on. Under our law, there's kind of this sense of, look, you have the discretion, um, but, but it isn't as clear what you, you know, everything that you can do. And so it's not maybe uh, there's trade-offs there. Okay. Well, the, the elephant in the room today is Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. Of course. Right? So, uh, but that's well, just talk. Well, I mean, it, I mean, you know, it is, I mean, it is talk, but if you, if you looked at the press conference, Jimbo Fisher's press conference, he said we did not violate state law. He okay. didn't say we didn't violate NCAA rules. He said we didn't violate uh, uh, Texas state law. I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I think it was funny because as heated as they were, they definitely picked their, their words well. I mean, there were some times where I was thinking, well, that's true, that's true. No, that's false. <laughs> there were a couple of things that they were saying that, you know, because word gets around and, you know, that there's no question about at least some of the ways they were able to put together that great recruiting class. Well, Cam, how close do you stay with the collective, you, uh, the guardians here, uh, as a, you know, are you aware of everything that they do? I definitely am not aware of, of everything that they do. Um, I do a lot of educating them. They ask me a lot of questions, but they operate on their own. Um, I think usually if they do something big, they want to make sure that it kind of makes sense. And so they'll ask me, hey, can I do this? Can I do that? What are kind of the implications of doing it? And I'm always quick to kind of give them information there. But they plan their own events. They decide their own initiatives. They definitely decide, you know, where they're going to pay out money on their own, all that kind of stuff. But that's the kind of stuff that we have to think about as we decide about changing our state law. And we say, okay, now that we have the ability to get involved, do we need to get more involved? Particularly because the NCAA's kind of new guidelines spoke a lot to collectives and boosters and that. And so there's this question about, okay, well, like, yes, we want to help. We probably want to help more. But we need to make sure that if we're helping, we're helping the right way because we don't need to have those guys too terribly involved. The other elephant in the room is how do you make that happen? Where, where boosters don't have a free reign to, to, to bypass talking to you and just start talking to players. Well, I mean, that, I think it starts with educating them. Like one of the things that was clear in the new guidelines was if boosters do the wrong thing, the school can get in trouble. If collectives do the wrong thing, the school can get in trouble. And, I mean, I'll say in the case of the Gar- Line Guardians, like, those guys love the athletic department. They love our uh, programs. They love our coaches. They love our student athletes. And they never want to do anything to get us in trouble. And so as I read that, my first thought was, okay, we're in the clear. This really doesn't have anything to do with us um, just because I know kind of the way they want to operate. But I think there are a lot of schools where that's going to be a real question, right, because there are some situations where the school hasn't done a good job of getting ahead of NIL, either because they don't have an NIL department, they don't really have a policy, whatever. And so it's totally fallen to, to kind of the boosters and third parties, and they're just running with it. Um, and, and those guys could potentially be in some trouble if they do that. I was going to point out a little bit of why I think there's even more chaos coming. So you know about Citizens United, where uh, corporations and other business organizations have First Amendment rights to spend money to support political candidates. And so now these collectives will say they have First Amendment rights to use their money to support university athletics. And so they'll claim that the NCAA has no right to step in and it's an antitrust violation if they do, if they try to regulate us. And you've got a Supreme Court that is very open to uh, this antitrust attack on the NCAA. Where do you see that they're being limited in any way for athletes that are already on campus. I mean, there's there's almost no limitation on athletes I, that are on campus. I well, they they reiterated the concept of fair market value payments so that you can't, you know, kind of uh, disguise and pay for play in NIL. But to your point about Citizens United, you're right. Like, there is some argument to be made that if you're the collective, you can say, well, I can do what I want to do. Right. And that maybe that is um, a violation in and of itself. There's this kind of question about, on one hand, you know, what is fair market value? It should be what somebody's willing to pay. On the other hand, you know, there's kind of this sense of, well, I think at a certain point it shocks the conscience. But on the third hand that I don't have, there's this <laughs> sense of, well, no, I mean, how can you, you say this is or isn't fair market value? It is what people are willing to pay. And so it, it's, it will be um, figured out in the future at some point. 
But aren't the examples of fair market value that are developing incredible? You look at Miami yep. already, the money at Miami. Absolutely. BY, Absolutely. BYU. You know, and I, you know, I had these examples that I was showing you that how inventive these kids can be. Mm -hmm. uh, this Cassidy Cerny was a cheerleader at uh, Indiana University, and during the NCAA basketball tournament, the basketball the basketball got stuck up behind the, the guys, basket. The guys couldn't get the it. The guys <laughs> couldn't get it, and so they boosted this cheerleader up, and she developed a T-shirt deal that says that cheerleader saves the day, and got an image of her <laughs> her. Get in the basket. Now, it doesn't hurt that she's a nice-looking cheerleader, I guess. But maybe that drives fair market value. But I just think the market is out there, and it's going crazy. I agree. And the market's brand new. That's the other thing. So, you know, there, there's a world where if you say, look, if I want to pay everyone on our soccer team to do something simple, like come over here this morning and enjoy these delicious pancakes, and I want to pay them $150,000, it's hard to say that's not the market if that's what happened to the whole team. Like, <laughs> I, it's just I don't know because you don't have any comparison. The, the other I have a couple other examples. So I just saw in the L.A. Times yesterday that these two high school seniors, the Thompson sisters, were signed by Nike and their soccer players are going to attend. This Stanford. is high school, high school, high school seniors. And they signed with Nike. They have an agent. They signed with Nike. Nike had a press conference. To, to, you know, like we would see where the high school kids are signing to attend the University of Illinois and they'd pick up the hat or that's it. Now they're having a press conference because they signed with Nike. So Nike is using the signing of these high school students to the NIL deal to promote their products. I guess they won't go to Adidas school. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's interesting. So in a lot of states, there there is the ability to do high school NIL, and a bunch of states are kind of working through that. There was actually a vote in Ohio about whether they wanted to have that just last week, and it's, um, it, it is interesting to see the opportunity that exists specifically for those two twins. Will Congress ever step in on this? You know, I don't think so. I you think don't see a, a national rule for everybody? It, it would be great. We will continue to lobby for it, but I, I'm not going to wait on Superman to show up. Right. I think um, there's just so much, and, you know, I like to say, look, you know, it's one of those things where if you're going to invite them into the tent, you got to be ready for them to run the circus. And they really want to kind of legislate a lot of things around college athletics as opposed to just NIL. Some of those things I'm really excited about. Some of those things I think they need to leave to the content experts. Um, but, you know, you can't ask for one without the other, and so we might end up in some trouble, and I, I don't see them jumping in, particularly now. It's an election year, and then we'll be looking at the presidential elections and everything else. I agree. And here's the congressional action that could solve this is creating an exemption, an antitrust exemption for the NCAA. Can you imagine some representative or senator who voted for that, who then has to run for re-election saying, and with the, the opponent saying, and this guy supported the NCAA. I mean, there's just no <laughs> right. way that's going right. to happen. Yeah, I, I just don't see it happening. I mean, there, there's just there's too many other things that they're really focused on between, you know, inflation and wars and, you know, getting reelected so that they don't have to get a normal job. Um, so it'll, it'll be hard. It'll be hard. I just don't see it. We heard a lot of rumors over the uh, last few months about what might be there for Kofi had he decided to come back. Any other kind of deals coming in that you want to talk about? You don't, have to, I don't necessarily mean talk uh, numbers, but... Uh, creative deals, as you mentioned, Any, anything that has come across your desk for U of I athletes? You know, I'll, I'll say there's one, Our one of our soccer players, Sydney Stevens, she has a new apparel deal with Campus Inc., and it's all about specifically women's empowerment and mental health. 
Um, and so Campus Inc. released her hoodie the other day, and I thought it was really nice. Um, she had told me about kind of what she was imagining, but she created her own logo, and then it's kind of a logo on the front, and then the back of the hoodie says, um, I know today was tough, but give tomorrow a chance. And I'm like, that's really, really cool. So I sent her a text and said, wow, that's really good stuff, Sydney. I appreciate that. So that's probably the coolest thing that comes to my head right now, I'll say, um, on the men's basketball side and football side, obviously we're you know kind of far away from the season and football guys aren't here, men's basketball guys, some of them are trickling in, but many of them aren't here too. And so it's a bit slower there in terms of individual deals that are happening. I think that's, that's a great example of the positive of NIL because if you stop and think of the female athletes and the limited opportunity that they will have for their careers because there's not much for them after college and to have the opportunity to have NIL for colleges Absolutely. For, Absolutely. for women is terrific. We're about uh, 10 minutes away of, uh, from joining Illinois baseball in progress here as we uh, wrap up things a little bit early on this edition of the show. By the way, according to Scott Beatty, it's top of the fourth. U of I had two to one. Good. At Chance Penn, for a sweep, huh? At Penn State. And it's two to two now. Okay. As Bond tells me, as fast as that. <laughs> Take what a bust. Two to two. <laughs> and we'll join that uh, ball game in progress at 1030. We've, so we've got about uh, 10 minutes to go. Do you have an NIL deal for those sneakers you've got on? Because if you do, I, I want in on that. That's a, that's a good I, looking pair of shoes. I've got a pair of 2090s. Maybe I'll have to ask the Thompson Twins out in California <laughs> if I can give me some free stuff. Um, no, it, it, it's funny because there's there's so much creativity that's out there. I mean, I think it, I'm glad that you asked that because I'm always telling our student athletes, think about what you're interested in. Think about what's cool about you. Think about um, what makes you unique, be it, you know, shoes or be it mental health, or be it you know, other types of clothing, or you know whatever. Maybe you like a particular show, and you should really try to promote that because there can be a financial opportunity for you now. I mean, we're always telling our young people to brand themselves and be deliberate about kind of their professional aspirations, but now there's a chance to kind of bring that to today and really give them a chance to make some money on it now. So think, cool. of, think of the possibilities for a guy, oh, say named Sky Clark. <laughs> and what yes. he might uh, be able to come across in the next couple of years. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see to see him. I mean, I, I got a chance to to sit with him the other day, and Sky is a really really good kid, and obviously has a, a big personality and a great look. And I'm excited to to hang with him off the court and kind of see him on the court and just really to welcome him into everything that's going on here. And and I'd say that for all of our freshmen who are coming in, it's it's going to be a really really good time. We've got a great crop of kids, and coach has done an awesome job there. When, uh, you know, this whole idea of uh, Steve Beckett, of you coming on, was uh, around the Alston decision. Uh, do you see any uh, – you, would you explain that for us a little bit and then tell us what you see as the next ish, ish, next thing coming out of the, the judicial side of things? Well, the Alston decision, basically, um, the premise is that the NCAA rules that suppressed name, image, likeness, opportunity was an antitrust violation. Uh and so the question, I guess the next step would be whether or not college athletes can unionize. Can they collectively bargain for better compensation and, quote, working conditions as part of their scholarship This is what Northwestern's quarterback tried a few that's years correct. ago. That's correct. Yeah. So that's sort of the next logical step. That was involved in that litigation, but it sort of stopped at the lower court level, and then that was not appealed to the Supreme Court. So it's still out there. Okay. There's a couple things. I mean, there is, there's a case in Pennsylvania right now that has to do with 
whether student athletes can be considered employees and then have the right to unionize. There's another case coming out of California, as it seemingly always does, about um, kind of NIL back pay and that kind of thing. Um, there's a lot that might be coming from the judicial system. And the good thing is there are so many other things that can kind of keep our attention for the time being that we won't worry about what's going to happen in four or five years. But it's important to understand, I mean, this thing may look really, really different um, as, as we move forward in college athletics. And it's important that people continue to support us and continue to support the Illini. I think that the disappointment for the older generations we have is that we have, we have lost – what we felt was a real distinction in sports between amateur athletics and professional athletics and that the college athletic programs are becoming more professional than they have ever been in the past. But you're and we, and, and football we were, and basketball as opposed to tennis and golf. True, and, true, I mean, it's, it's, true. Different, it's but, different for the different and so we, But we also worry about the, the problem of team chemistry about the advantages that having someone who, like, like Sky, for example, who perhaps has a better, at least from, from looking at it, it looks like he might have a better initial opportunity than some of the other incoming kids. And what does that do to, to team chemistry if, in fact, that plays out? That, you know, well, and so you well, need every a, time I, you every time somebody brings up, now. Every time somebody brings up team chemistry, I think that members of the baseball team, some are getting 50%, some are getting 25%. I mean, students have always it's always been it's never been equal they're all professionals though (laughs) they're all getting paid see (laughs) okay okay yeah i mean i think i'm glad you brought the point up lauren because a lot of times stuff happens in an il where you know the same problem exists in a different context right so people will say well won't folks just go where they can make the most money and i'm like well we've got that's what generally students in academic scholarships do all the time. That's what I did. Um, but also for, for our sports where folks don't have full scholarships, that's, that's often a part of the calculation in terms of where you're going to go. I think so it, it's interesting because in some senses it does feel more professionalized. In some senses, um, basketball, football, women's basketball are going to kind of take on the same dynamic potentially as, as some of our other sports. Um, but, again, as long as folks continue to support, continue to kind of just – go with it as we all are i think i think we're going to be okay i think we've got good leadership and we'll be in a position of strength got about five minutes left on uh, this segment of the show and the show in its entirety this week as before we join illinois baseball by the way cam mcdonald hit a two-run homer in that okay that's so. 62 consecutive games that he's been on base that's a that's 62 that just boy think is about hot that right now that boy is hot that goes back to last year i don't know I mean, if that's approaching any kind of NCAA record. I don't know, but that's an awful lot. I mean, just think every single game. You can't have one bad game. And last night, he he comes up in the 10th inning without a hit and hits a double, and now he's a two-run home run. We had Ron Gunther on in the first hour of the show, and and one of the things we were – well, two of the things we were talking about kind of as one were the NIL and the transfer portal. And he kind of said, you know what? Things may have to get worse before they get better in, in both of those. What do you guys think of that? No, I think, that, I think that's true. I, you know, eventually common sense is going to prevail, and we're just not exactly sure what the common sense is right now. Yeah, I think that that's probably right. I think things will – we're going to obviously try to anticipate it, but I think across the market it, it, there is a high likelihood that things will get worse before they get better. I, I'm a little bit disappointed in what I've seen – you know, at certain schools in certain parts of the country because it's, it's kind of the old phrase, like, this is why we can't have nice things, <laughs> right? Like, we get a little bit of autonomy, and, and folks kind of just ran a little too far with it and, and a little too fast before the, uh, the right structures could catch up. Look out for California because now they got some stuff going on over there where 
they're trying to get a bill through that would allow 50% of the income from football to go to the football players, yep. which uh, they estimate to be around $200,000 per player at USC. Well, and that it, would just – well, I know it. I mean, it, it would have been huge. It, it's crazy. So I was following that really closely, and um, I, it did not hurt my feelings that that bill died in committee. I think it was on Thursday. Um, not because I, I think it's necessarily a bad idea, but I think in practice it just wouldn't be able to work. I mean, there's a question of what would happen to every other sport, and so I'm glad that kind yeah, of in that situation – it would really hurt the, the Olympic sports. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and common sense and cooler heads kind of prevailed. But I think as we continue to think through that concept, it can be reworked and probably will be reworked. And, you know, if history tells us anything, it will probably be reworked in California <laughs> before any place else. So. Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll keep trying. Yep, yep, they will, they will keep trying. But that was one we all kind of kept our eyes on, folks across the country, and we were like, is this thing real? Is it kind of moved through the political process? And, um, you know, it just recently died. So one, one less thing to worry about for now. I'm just tickled to death that we have you. <laughs> I, I think you're a tremendous asset to our program. You really are. Well, thank you. I appreciate I think we all it. Agree I, I try on to that. help. I try <laughs> to just just help out and you know make things a little bit clearer where they're murky. You know, the problem with the common sense concept <laughs> is nobody can agree what's common sense, right? Your your view of common sense may be different than mine, and very true. Hopefully, there is one. Uh, one level of common sense that will win out in all this. We'll have to wait and see. Guys, we appreciate your time a whole lot. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Steve Beckett and Cam Cox. We're going to join Illinois baseball. The Illini have taken a 3-2 to lead in that ballgame. And after this uh, break, we'll join that. We thank you for listening to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. For Ed Bond and Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. And thanks to Dave Leak uh, uh, as well back at the uh, radio station. And we'll talk to you again next week right here on DWS. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock. Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, PellaofChampaign.com.